0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up on Life Today, author and speaker Dudley Hall describes the danger in not understanding the father-son relationship we have in
1: Christ. Because somebody comes along and goes, "You want it? You you want to get in? You want to get back into father's house? You you want? Here's what you can do: jump through these little hoops right here, and you can do it." And people would do unbelievable things, trying to get what God has already given to us in the inheritance.
2: July today, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Betty, and this is James, and we have one of our dear friends with us today that yeah. helps me keep you in line.
3: Yeah, he does. <laughs> and, you, and he's a big guy, football he is. player. Yeah, strong. And uh, so she has to have, you know, reinforcement. <laughs> and Dudley Hall of Corigma uh, Ventures, which is a tremendous ministry, of showing you what the real gospel message looks like when it's in action—the living Christ living through us right here. And uh, it's beautiful, and he has incredible retreats for couples, for uh, fathers and sons and fathers and daughters, and just uh, it's wonderful. And you can go to that website. I'm going to go ahead and put it up on the screen, but you'll, you'll, you'll want to go there and say, hey, what's going on? It's, it's in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, not far out into a retreat setting that's absolutely beautiful. Dudley Hall has taught a series that has impacted so many lives profoundly, and it's Heirs to the Kingdom. Now, we're not talking about a future kingdom, it includes that, but we're talking about something going on right here, right now. And I, I love the uh, subheading, embracing the riches of sonship, of being a children of the Father. Would you welcome Dudley Hall alive to life today? <laughs> Dudley? Hey, buddy, glad to see you. Thank you buddy. Some of you who've watched us for some time know that God used Dudley as probably as significant and as a primary uh, instrument in, in helping me when, uh, as with so many Christians, and as a minister, I was really terribly defeated. I was just, I was spent. Uh, burned out, exhausted, and very vulnerable and under attack. And I just really wondered, could we get this load off? No one contributed more uh, than Dudley to that. And this heirs to the kingdom is really, uh, Dudley, I feel like it's kind of a, a continuation of better understanding of what happened to us when we found that we were actually set free from the grip of the enemy even in, in, in let's say, religious bondage where we were trying to be sure we mm-hmm. set everything according to the uh, sectarian or the de- denominational expectation and that our reputation stayed exactly proper. Mm. And we lived in a way uh, almost fearful of intimidation or, or you know, not living up to the expectation or whatever. But it, was, it was all a part of the process. And, and when we experienced freedom, it was almost like we moved into a new life of fullness in Christ right now. It wasn't like we needed to hurry up and escape. It was like we were being set free. And in this freedom, we could, we could live as truly
1: children of the most high God in a very personal relationship yeah we'd been willing to settle for uh, a ticket to heaven and whatever the kingdom of God was after we died Mm -hmm. and the truth is you know you don't have to die to get into the father's house to get in the kingdom of God Jesus did the dying so we could get in Mm -hmm. you know the interesting thing about the inheritance is that uh, it shows that God wants his people to have everything he has Mm-hmm. That's what an inheritance is. A father leaves an inheritance; he wants to give what he has away. And <clears throat> the dynamic of the father, son, orphan, uh, because it's been misunderstood or hasn't been understood, uh, a lot of us, like you and I, uh, we lived as orphans, trying to be better orphans. Mm-hmm. You know, we we lived like <clears throat> Adam and Eve. Adam was the first son. Adam and Eve were the first son. Adam was, before Eve came out of his side, he was a son of God, and mm-hmm. so therefore she is. So we're not talking about gender here. We're talking about relationship and status. Family. And so uh, when Adam sinned, he, he was cast out of the garden. So he was on the outside. He wasn't made to live outside. He was made to live inside,
2: mm-hmm.
1: conscious of the father, conscious that he was a partner with, the Father, conscious that he was loved unconditionally by the Father, that he had a purpose in life. And yet, <clears throat> when they sinned, they were put outside. And then everything, everything became, what can I do to get back in? And that's where orphans come from. That's, that's what an orphan is. And all of humanity lived in that orphanity, if you let me create a word, uh, of what does it take... What's God like and what would it take to please Him? What would it take to appease Him if He needs it? And whatever you come up with to the answer to that question, that's your religion.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, you and I grew up where it was pretty strict. You know, you need to, of course, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to confess Him. You need to be baptized. You need to be a good boy. You need to witness. You need not get drunk or in our go, go case, to church. You need to go to church. Hopefully and that every that
3: time the door's open, be <laughs> yeah.
1: there. And, uh, so we were all try- always trying to, what does it take to get in? But the sad thing is <clears throat> a lot of times we, we never, we still felt like orphans. We still did not know what it means to have that intimate relationship with God, the father, that there's nothing else I have to do to make him happy with me. We didn't know what it meant to, to live with a sense of, uh, everything I have everything I need I have in Christ in Christ you know so so orphans want to be intimate but they don't have it and so they find a substitute intimacy through sex or falling in love with their stuff uh, they want to be they want to have honor but uh, since they don't have honor they look for it in their achievements and so they spend their life boasting and measuring what they have with what others have. And uh, they, they want purpose, but they don't know what they're here for, so they try to survive. So so here they are. And here's what here's the thing that's so sad. <clears throat> that orphan mentality makes people so susceptible to man-made religion. Mm. Because somebody comes along and goes, you want it? You you want to get in? You want to get back in the Father's house? You You want... Here's what you can do. Jump through these little hoops right here and you can do it. And people would do unbelievable things trying to get what God has already given to us in the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. God uh, d- defined himself as a father and a son and a spirit. He, he made Adam, called him a son. He created Israel, called Israel a son. When Jesus came, He came as the Son. It is interesting, isn't it? When God got ready to solve humanity's problem, He sent a Son, mm-hmm. which might tell us that our problem was a Son-Father relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, and then, uh, when Jesus starts to leave the earth, he's, he's spending his last few hours with His disciples. He says to them, "Okay." you believe in God, believe also in me. I am going to the Father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. Now, a lot of times we think he's talking about heaven. He's talking about the Father's house. He's talking about the relationship of the Father. The presence of the Father. Presence of the Father, mm-hmm. the provision of the Father, mm-hmm. the pleasure of the Father. He's talking about all of that. And so, uh, It's interesting that when God told Abraham in the Old Testament, you know, God is going to treat you special and he's going to give you an inheritance. It's land. When Jesus told his disciples, God's going to give you an inheritance, it's life. Hmm. I'm going to give you the same life that Jesus had with the Father so that you can have the same access to the Father Jesus does. You can have the same love he does that you can, be assu- you can be sure that God is as concerned about meeting your needs as he's been about meeting Jesus' needs. And, and as you know, it's, it's really interesting to watch Jesus on the earth. <clears throat> he, he didn't worry. He had the audacity to say to his disciples, don't worry about what you're going to eat and wear and all that kind of stuff. You know, And we read that and we go, are you kidding? I mean, how do you do that? And if you're an orphan, you try to do it in order to please God. It's like, I don't worry. I don't fear. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proving to God that I, I deserve my way in. No, no, you can, you can play games with it, but you don't have to worry. You you don't have to fear because Jesus, when he lived that life with the father as a son, he knew that the father is responsible to meet his needs. You remember he needed a donkey one time. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't worry about it. He didn't go into the donkey business. <laughs> you know, he just told two disciples, "Go across town. You'll find one tied." Hmm. Because of, because Jesus had such a relationship with the Father as a son, that he could just requisition it. Hmm. Like, I need it. You told me to do this. It fulfills scripture. So, thank you. The Father will provide it. Father he makes the way. It. Yeah.
2: Well, it's it's realizing who we are in Christ, isn't it? Yes. That relationship. It's not by works, which. I was guilty of doing myself, yeah. thinking I had to work. After I became a Christian, I had to do works to get to that place that you're talking about in that relationship. Yeah. Or, or I thought it was just reserved for the men of God, men called by God, you know, to do yeah. that. But no, he said he wanted a relationship with me, Absolutely. his child.
1: And Jesus came to—here's the, here's the gospel. Jesus came to be the orphan so that we could be the sons. Think about it. Jesus was crucified outside the gates of the city. By the time of Jesus, the Garden of Eden was no longer the Garden of Eden. It was the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was crucified out there. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus became, he took all of our alienation, all of our orphanity upon himself so that he could say to us, you're my son. And not only is it a legal thing, But he sent the Holy Spirit, who is a spirit of adoption, which cries in our hearts, "Father, Daddy." You see, everybody wants a father. Everybody.
3: We got a father father crisis in this country that's undeniable. Yes. And it contributes contributes to every major, uh, let's say, drag not only the economy, but on the culture itself and on, on the expressions of life because the father's missing. I mean, it's just like we've got a a fatherless generation or almost civilization here, even in the United States, where, what is it, 48 to 50% grow up in fatherless homes. And even those who have a father, sort of in place, many of them are dysfunctional as a father Mm -hmm. because they didn't know a father or a functional, effective father. And, you know, I grew up without a father but you've watched the miracle of me meeting a father that changed my life, but at the same time, you've ministered to me many times with what I would call absent father wounds or holes in my Mm -hmm. life, that I need the father to to embrace me and hold me and encourage me and comfort me and sometimes, frankly, to praise me. The father let me know that's good. And I think you have served, as both brother and father to me for many years, where you will be saying what you know the Father wants me to hear. And so often it's in total harmony with what a good father would say to a son Mm -hmm. at whatever place he is in his life. And I've seen you as an expression of the Father to me and to others. So when we come to know the Father and we're no longer orphans, but we're really children of the Most High God... Don't you think we then can effectively begin to express the Father's heart? I thought even in that moment of what Betty shared a moment ago, she was talking about coming out of this trying to please God, trying to live up to the expectations that others put on you or you put on yourself to suddenly realize you're accepted in the Beloved. You're a child of God. And you're an heir of God, an heir to the kingdom, not just to come, but the kingdom that's already here. And you begin to live like a kingdom person, like a child of God. And when you're talking about heirs of the kingdom, I see you talking about the kingdom reality of him as first. He's king. Yeah. He's in place. God's father. We know him, and we're filled with the fullness of the family atmosphere and harmony. And then that, that actually becomes what I would call almost a an attractive Uh, environment in which to uh, present the Lord. You just, you show people this, look at what I've got. There's a peace that passes understanding. There's a joy that's real because I know who I am in Christ and I'm a child of the Father,
1: an heir of the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I heard somebody say years ago, no, no boy really, really knows he's a man until the father tells him he is. Uh, When I heard that, I thought, really? But after years, I I believe that's true. I also believe it's true that no Christian really knows that they're secure until the Spirit tells them that they're a son of God, until that spirit of adoption identifies Mm -hmm. in your Mm -hmm. heart that you are a son of God, because that that knowledge that you are accepted by Him gives you that, that, that sense, you know? Nobody has to wonder if they're going to make it into the into the Father's house. Jesus has already made it, and we're in Him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I'm, I'm secure because Jesus became my orphan so that I could be His son, and I and I am secure in Him. So the <clears throat> for when Jesus is King, His kingdom rules. And then those people in his kingdom, because they've known how to be sons, they know how to be fathers. And so now they can create this atmosphere, this family atmosphere that, as you said, can be a reflection of the father. So what's the hope for all, like you said, 48% of our country grew, uh, are growing up without a father in the home. So what, what's going to happen to half the population? Well, everybody can have a perfect father. And when you have a perfect father, you can be in a community of people where they know how to reflect that father and they can they can uh, be a father, as you, you were saying, we are to each other. Heirs to the kingdom, we're, we're gonna be sending to those of you who
3: want this teaching that I think will, will really and truly help you tremendously to understand who you are in Christ and what it's like to have a perfect father. Would you say thanks to Dudley just for helping with, with all of us to grow and understand that we don't have to wait to go to the kingdom that's coming. The kingdom has come. You know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here. And, and we can begin to live as children of the Most High God, but also as children of a loving Father and have that relationship. And we want to help you do that. Dudley, one of the things that has, I think, meant as much to the people who watch life today as anything that we do is when we get to express a Father's love, and, and really when you look at the totality of the father and the Holy Spirit there's there's a tremendous quality in God and the Holy Spirit that is very much like the love of a mother because it's the, it's the total package of love and and when you have that love you you want to alleviate suffering yeah, I mean you want to hold a broken heart see I, I want to hold and, and heal broken hearts and I'm so limited but God can do that the father can do it but what we can do as children of the Father is we can share that love with others. And our viewers, this is what you tell us, enjoy alleviating suffering, relieving people who just need someone to care enough to share life. And that's what we do, life today, every day, all over the world, not only with you, but others. I want you to look in. I want you to listen. I want you to watch in this situation and see if you don't hear God showing you how you can express the love of a loving, perfect father in a very difficult situation. We are here to do that as the body of Christ, to reveal him and extend his hands of love and care. Watch and see if you don't want to join in doing that.
4: The news bombards us daily with a new crisis breaking out somewhere in the world. And in the midst of these devastating outbreaks, there is one crisis that is often forgotten. It is the never-ending food crisis. Every six seconds, a child dies from hunger somewhere in the world. That is 10 children every minute. Africa is no exception. Children dying simply because they don't have enough food to eat. Our mission teams have seen the effects of severe malnutrition and the toll it takes on little children's bodies as this silent killer steals the very life from them, slowly and painfully. As our mission teams survey areas of need, what they find most often is a grieving mother left only with the memory of her child's death at the hands of starvation. Elizabeth's story is no different, yet no less heartbreaking.
2: to She's holding now her two month old a newborn
3: little boy. And we're just praying that God will bless them with a much more beautiful
4: future. As our teams prepare to return with stories like these, they often only have a prayer of comfort to offer those who are hurting. But with your help, we can provide food to Elizabeth's child and the thousands of other mothers whose children so desperately need our help.
3: This is the last week that we are coming to you and asking for help. Betty, when you see that, that mother and you see that situation, what goes on in, in your heart? What well, are you, what are you to thinking? Watch that
2: mother with such heartache and such devastation already losing her husband to, to war and being all their livelihood being taken away from them and now she's facing the possibility of losing what children, family she has left because they don't have any food, everything's gone. It breaks my heart, James, except for the fact that I know that we can help her. We can make the difference. We can offer hope to her through the feeding program and let her know that somebody is watching. God is. And somebody is caring. We are. So please join with us.
3: If you could only understand the the character of these precious people that have been hurt in so many ways because of warring factions and for many, many reasons that are indescribably horrible. If you only knew that what she's longing for, would you just give me a chance and give our family and others a chance so we could have a future, future what? To live, but also to go back to work. These are not lazy people. And, And we're able to not only get them on their feet when we do it together, but to teach them how to grow crops effectively. We have actually taught many of these people in these incredibly uh, foreign village uh, rural areas how to irrigate, whether they do it by bringing water by hand and putting it on a small little garden or whether they actually begin to learn how to move water. I mean, they are so teachable. If you can just get them healthy, and and if we get them through these crises, we watch miracles occur. Where well, we not only see lives saved, but we see people come to Christ. We know we've saved 11 million lives from death by these feeding programs, but we've won to Christ far more than that in the same areas because they've seen the love of God. So what we're asking you to do is we reach to 25,000 in the Sudan area right now that are under horrific attack right now from famine, but also from war. If we can reach them and the 400, 400 thousand other children and their families that we have located and we organized to feed them. If we can do that, and we can, we're going to see lives changed, not only now, but forever. What we're asking you to do, and this is a miracle, $30, 50 or $100, dollars will feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. But we've got a wonderful group of friends who said, we so believe in this that we will match whatever you give. We've got a four hundred. matching gift, almost a dollar for each person given right now to double what you give. You're in this last week. Would you dial that number? Or would you go to lifetoday.org, go online and make that gift. Take your bank card, use it like a check and make the best gift you can. If you could give $100, not 10 fed now, 20. 50, it would now be 10, not five. For 30, it would be six rather than three. It'd be doubled. You may even be able to do more than that. Thank you for what you do. Know this, you're giving the greatest gift. You're giving life because of the love that God put in your heart for the precious people Jesus gave his life for. Would you right now help us share life as well as the source of that love and that life? Because that's what the missionaries do. Thank you for going online. Thank you for calling. If you get busy, be determined to get through. We've got some very special gifts to give you to bless you in your spiritual walk but we're gonna be changing the lives of these precious people. And I know you wanna do it. I wanna thank you right now
0: for your response. Thank you for your gift. Disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa and those at greatest risk are the children. This month, 400,000 children are depending on us for survival and now in South Sudan, the suffering has intensified and our feeding efforts are desperately needed by an additional 25,000 children. As an answer to prayer, a group of life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 to help feed three children will be doubled to impact six children. $50 to help feed five children will be doubled to help save 10 children. $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children and $300 for 30 children will be double to help feed and minister to 60 children. With your gift, we'll send you Heirs to the Kingdom, four powerful messages on audio CD or USB flash drive. You'll also receive the award-winning book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. With your double impact gift of $100 or more to help feed 20 children, please request The Story, a running narrative Bible to help you engage with God's Word more easily. Finally, please consider a double-impact gift of $1,000 and request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. This is The Last Week. Please call, write, or make your gift online.
3: Well, Betty and I just say thank you during this last week, and I pray you will remember. We we really need to hear from all of you because we need some great help right now. We, We don't want to come up short, the missionaries are waiting for us to tell them, yes, we've got enough for the next months, And we thank you for that. Heirs to the kingdom, Duddy and I have talked about this. He is a truly gifted communicator and teacher of these en- in- enriching, life-changing truths. And you need to understand that we can, we're going to heaven, but we can bring heaven here and, and express the love of this Father to people all around us. Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, it's a fantastic book. And then the beautiful Bible story, remember the Forest Chapel, is a beautiful, beautiful painting by Thomas Kincaid. That will be a blessing to you. Well, Betty and I want to say thanks to Dudley again. Would you just join us? Dudley, thank you, Dudley. Thank you. Thank all of you so much. Remember, go to Stream, go to the Stream, Stream.org every day, and share the insight, inspiration, and information with others. Thank
1: you for watching.
0: To visit Stream.org, a rich and lively source for breaking news, analysis, and entertainment. Stream.org. Tomorrow, after witnessing her teacher's murder, Susie's trust in God was shattered and fear began to control every aspect of her life.